From the daughter of a wealthy landlord to a revolutionary icon of the working class, Constance Markovich dedicated her life to fighting for what she believed in. Denying traditional female roles, Constance paved her own path in life. Cool. <laughs> Ryan. Yes? Tell me a story. This is the story of Constance Markovich. Constance was born in 1868 in London. Her father was Sir Henry Gore Booth, so her original name was Constance Gore Booth. Uh, and he was an Irish man known as a famous Arctic explorer and adventurer. So this guy was a uh, fun dude. Had a lot of good adventures in his life. Made a lot of money from him. <laughs> so there's that. He was a fun dude who went on adventures. Yeah, good guy. Good guy. Uh, good guy. Good Henry Gorbuth. Yeah. Except for all his dark secrets. No, he's a really good guy. Uh, <laughs> he, was a, he was a wealthy landlord in Ireland after he retired from his exploration. And um, he was doing this during the Great Famine, actually. And unlike most landlords who notoriously uh, took advantage of their tenants, he provided what? his tenants with cheap and free housing as well as a oh. lot of food which so he was oh. you know, one of the few good landlords of the time or ever <laughs> or ever 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 true true, true 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 except for me i have free housing right now but that's right, another right. <laughs> work, work exchange yeah. <clears throat> anyways gr- <laughs> growing up in ireland uh, around the poor constance his daughter um had made a lot of friends with the poor because, you know, his father took care of a lot of these people and took them into his housing. So she grew up around people in poverty and she had a lot of empathy from them that she learned from her father and from her friends. And uh, she developed this sense of empathy at a really young age. And as a child, her neighbors uh, were her close friends, the Yeats family, who you might have heard of John Yeats, who's a famous Irish artist. When I was in Ireland, I saw a lot of his work. And uh, his this guy went to Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> his uh, his son W. B. Wheats. Wheats. Oh man, yikes! <laughs> w. B. Yeats. Yeah, uh, he's an award-winning poet, very famous poet from Ireland as well. Uh, so he was their next door neighbor, and so he grew up with Constance together, very good friends, and he um, wrote about her actually a lot. Uh, he. He influenced all of her outlook on life. And so he wrote a poem about her and her sister uh, in which he described Constance as a gazelle for her wild and sincere personality, which I thought was kind of a nice little telling tale about who she is. <clears throat> Furthermore, uh, <laughs> so, you know, that was her childhood. And then she grew up and uh, she wants to be an artist. So she returns to London where she was originally born. And she attended an art school there where she specialized in painting because there weren't many females uh, allowed to go to art school in Ireland at the time, so she had to go to London. She specialized in painting, and during her time at art school, she got really politically active, as most college students tend to, and uh, she became an outspoken member of the National Union of Women's Suffrage Society. It's supposed to be at the end of that. I'm reading off of a script, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Uh, well... Anyways, she got really involved politically with this association, fighting for women's suffrage. Then she finished her art school in London and continued her education in Paris, another art school. And it's here that she would meet her future husband, this guy named Kazmir Markovic. Uh, he, this is where she got her last name, obviously. They started dating and Constance decided to marry him after he got into a duel with two guys that insulted her 
and he won. So I don't know. There's not a lot of details on the story, but that is the official story from numerous documents on her life that I guess these two guys were saying stuff about her. And he challenged them both to a duel. I don't know if it was like he went one at a time or if it was like... Kudaloon, Kudayun style wrestling. Yeah. Well, I think it was like it was a gun duel. And I'm not sure if they like walked... You know how they do the old 10-step thing? Was it a triangle? It was two-on-one? Handicap match? I don't know. But he won. Maybe he had (laughs) double pistols. Right. Flung them out. Like flipping around and stuff. Or it's just lore. Or one at a time. One at a time. Or it was was his whole boy. Anyways... They, they got married and they had a daughter. However, Constance quickly grew really distant from the daughter and her husband. Um, she didn't want to play the traditional role of a housewife or a mother. Uh, that just wasn't for her. That was never really her lifestyle or choice, which <clears throat> I don't know how I read that. I, I think on one part, it's like, well, good for her for doing her own thing, but also don't have a child if you don't want one and you're going to neglect it. You know what I mean? Oh, I don't know. Just my, it, it's my personal. Were there opinion. many options at the time though? Like I can't. Yeah, that's true too. I don't know. Recall. I don't know. But she was very neglectful towards her child where they, when they met up again in the future and her child's adult life, they weren't, they were strangers. They didn't know each other, but I don't want to hurt her character because Constance did a lot of great things. Um, so she became a known landscape artist and she was a literary figure in Ireland with other known artists in the area. And they formed a group that was dedicated to preserving the Irish culture through art. But during this period, um, her political involvement is what really grew. And she became like an outspoken figure against the British. And the British were basically, they they owned Ireland at this time as part of, it was a British colony, I guess you would call it. The British Empire. Yeah, part of the empire. And they were very neglected by the Irish, specifically during the famine. The British didn't do anything for them essentially uh which was pretty tragic and millions of people died during the famine uh so she was very outspoken against the british and she heavily was orchestrating a protest against the re-election of winston churchill in britain at the time uh he was not reigning over he was uh, an elected official like in parliament but she uh protest against him and effectively prevented his win. I didn't get the specifics on why she didn't want him to specifically win, but I guess that was a big victory for her. And uh, she blamed the abuse and neglect, uh, you know, of Ireland on the British. Um, And basically said that the cycle of poverty and violence and the famine was a result of the British, which a lot of historians would agree with. So she started uh, rallying with the Irish working class but because she was from a wealthy family, they rejected her at the time. And so that was kind of a hindrance on her, you know, what she was trying to do. But she effectively used her wealth and her social status. And she was able to organize a massive protest in the year 1911 of 30,000 Irish citizens who gathered to protest a visit of King George V. Sounds kind of reminiscent of modern day culture and a certain president. Of a certain country. Which president are you talking about? <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so she was arrested for her involvement with the protest. Um, but after that, she was, you know, warmly welcomed by the community. They were like, yeah, this is our this is our girl right here. She's we're she's our spokesperson. So following, you know, the following year, she joined what was called the ICA, the Irish Citizen Army, <clears throat> which pro, uh, protected protesters from the police. 
which I think America could use right now. And she went into major debt. Ah. Uh, she was buying resources and food for the people who were affected by the famine, all the people in the poor. She actually sold off all of her jewelry and her clothing just to keep her soup. She had her own soup kitchen just to keep it running. She sold all of her wealth and riches. And uh, so a local newspaper would go on to interview Constance and they asked her for fashion advice uh, because she became a female icon of the rebellion. And that's what they thought women were, you know, all about was fashion. So she says, dress suitably in a short skirt and strong boots, leave your jewels in the bank and buy a revolver. That's her quote, which is like one of my favorite quotes I've ever read. I just think, you know. What's your second favorite? Um, I'm a baby. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Well, you put me on the spot. Is that Winston Churchill who said that one? <laughs> I put you on the spot. Yeah. As you, I as you're the host of a show. Like I can't improv like that. <clears throat> Easter Rising. Who knows what the Easter? Ri- <laughs> who knows what the Easter Rising? There's no cut there. It just seems. It seems like there would be. Right. There was, no cut. That's, that's just how it flew. That's how I talk. Yeah. Go ahead. We're gonna talk about the Easter Rising. So Ireland, which was under British rule had slowly been forming a major rebellion. So this was like centuries of this building, pent-up rage against the British. And it finally broke out in 1916, an event called the Easter Rising. It's called this because it happened over the week of Easter. And it was uh, the Irish Republic, uh, the Republican Party in Ireland rebelled in war against the British soldiers who were all under the lead, not the British soldiers, the Republican Party was under the lead of Constance Markovich. Uh, Constance fought in hand-to-hand combat in St. Stephen's Green, which I actually got to tour. I've been, in, I've like every weekend I was in St. Stephen's Green. Dude, this guy went to Europe. <laughs> he, did. he went to Europe. I was living in Ireland for Study a couple abroad. months. Did you guys, uh, did you guys hear about this? No, no, seriously. <laughs> I know. He actually, Ryan, uh, he went to Europe for a semester. <clears throat> he did. Anyways. so Saint- Some of you might not know. St. <laughs> Stephen's Green is like in the middle of Dublin. <laughs> I've, I've been there. I probably went there like 50 times. Um, I had no idea that this happens there. So clearly I was preoccupied with other things because <clears throat> looking back, it was pretty obvious. They have signs everywhere <laughs> talking about this event. But anyways, she, uh, she was involved in this. It's basically like if you went to New York and fought in um, like Central Park and had a big old war. Uh, that's what this is comparable to, I suppose. And so she was in the middle of all this and she actually fought in hand-to-hand combat in the middle of this park and she shot the chief of the British police. She was also serving as a nurse at this time during the this short war uh, and helped several injured citizens. And she was spotted sewing a rebel flag in the middle of it, which to me is like, I get that sentiment, but go, go, go do something else. Right. <laughs> Don't sew. There's no photo shoot going on. Right. Is there? Uh, there? There were cameras, but I mean, there's a picture of her. Takes a while, doesn't it? Anyhow, uh, eventually the British overpowered the rebellion. And so Constance was caught and captured and she was handed over to the authorities where they made her hand over her pistol in front of all of these people and her army and their army. And uh, in front of them all theatrically, as she does, she said she kissed her gun and handed it over and she said, I am ready. And they took her away. And so the British initially were going to sentence her to death. But because she was a woman, they dropped the sentence to life in prison, which... Oh, much better. <laughs> right? Is arguably much worse. Mm-hmm. But I guess they weren't comfortable executing a woman. I don't know. 
So she actually only ended up spending two years. So it was a good thing she got her sentence dropped because she only spent two years in prison before the British decided to let all the rebels free because um, turns out they were pretty justified in, <laughs> in their rebellion thanks to the oppression of the British. And so Constance went on to join what was called the Daughters of Ireland, which was a political group that advocated for women's rights in Ireland. And then what happened next was the Irish Civil War. Right. So this eventually occurs, and there were those who are the, for the pro-British rule, who are now in Northern Ireland, which is still part of the British Empire, in the UK, rather. Uh, and those who are pro-Ireland, the Irish independence, the Irish the Republic of Ireland. <clears throat> so Const- this is all very confusing. Yeah, uh, Ireland split up into two parts. There's Northern Ireland, which is a tiny piece at the top of Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, and like the ah man, I am having a hard time explaining. Just word wise today, you right, not right, good. right, right, no, good. too many words, not good. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, Ireland had a civil war. Um, some who were in favor of the British rule and the others, majority who weren't. So Constance was fighting in this, obviously. She was pro-independence. And she was uh, posted up in what's called Moran's Hotel, which is in central Dublin. And it was like a really key location during the Civil War. There were a lot of important people there, and that was like a main fighting point during the Civil War. So she was there fighting for most of it. Um, apparently she was shot there at one point, which is interesting, I thought. Uh, and she eventually was imprisoned again for this. And she was with 92 other female rebels. Well, during their time in prison, she rallied all 92 of them and they staged a hunger strike, which eventually led to their release, uh, which is pretty you know, cool. <laughs> She was elected after this. <laughs> well, so this is like a big deal. She's at this point, she's a huge hero for the poor um, and just for the Irish people in general. She's really become quite a political figure uh, for rebellion and independence. And uh, she's a, she's a badass. So she gets elected as a parliamentary chair for the Irish Republic. She was also elected um, in Great Britain at the time too uh, in their parliament, but she didn't take her chair because she didn't like the British. Um, so she, but she was the first female elected in British Parliament. Fun fact about her. And then in 1957, the relatively young age of 59, Constance died of appendicitis. But uh, it is noted that she was surrounded by the poor. She was in a um, not a hostel. She was like basically in a, a house for the homeless. She was surrounded by them. A lot of them were her supporters. And that's where she wants to die. So she was, she kind of died, I wouldn't say at peace, because it was painful, 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 terrible appendicitis. But Yikes. yeah, she was at least where she wants to die. And that is the story of Constance Markovic. Constance Markovic was a legendary revolutionary figure who used her status in society to raise up those less fortunate. She abandoned gender roles and paved her own path, giving up her life of privilege to help the poor and to rebel against her nation's oppressors. Constance was an artist, a politician, a rebel, a leader, and a hero whose influence has revolutionized the Republic of Ireland. And we did it. Yay, Mommy Simo. Lucidity. 
Oh, do we still have to do something? Shit. Yeah, it's, it's, it's that. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Unsung. We will be back next week with maybe one story, maybe two. We'll see. Yeah, two, probably. Be sure to subscribe if you like the show. Oh, okay. And leave us a review to let us know what you think. We replaced Levi with a robot this week. Unsung <laughs> is researched and written by Ryan Muskin. Production and original music. Shmevi Listen, guys, I'm no fool, no, no. but I'm feeling foolish. <laughs> Anyways, uh, that's the end of my life, so. Or rather, this episode of the podcast. Bye! (laughs) I'm done with that one.